Hello and welcome to Inching Closer, a podcast where we explore different angles of approach to sustainability. I'm one of your hosts, Anirudh. And I'm Anant. Today we're talking about electric vehicles. a movement and phenomenon that has captured our collective imagination like little else for this episode anirudh and i traveled to fagwara in punjab to meet someone who's been working in the electric mobility sector for a while now say hello to ayushi chen i do a lot of things but uh, my main focus uh, career wise has been climate change in general but uh, that's a big word uh, so right now i'm very focused on electric mobility and how we can reduce pollution in the transportation sector my background has been uh, starting with chemical engineering uh, then going into teach for india and uh, transitioning into california for about 4 years where i started my journey there with the wastewater sector did that for about 6 uh, months to 8 months and then transitioned to uh, los angeles where i was with the la clean tech incubator transition back to india with shakti foundation again uh, doing uh, sustainable transportation so electric mobility specifically where uh, india was at a point where they really needed to develop uh, electric vehicle policies uh, did that and then transition to bounce again transportation in uh, bangalore so i'm sure a lot of us have seen those yellow scooters uh, in uh, bangalore so help them uh, when it comes to developing shared mobility uh, and now i'm with moving moving The company where Ayushi is the vice president of external relations is a driver-centric platform that is currently focused on accelerating electric vehicle adoption in India. We'll learn more about what they do a little later in the episode. But before we go any further, let's explore what the case for electric vehicles really is. I think the larger question in general when uh, I talk to literally my dad or my cousins about what I'm doing is why are we even talking about ele- electric vehicles? and why does it matter right so uh, because most of my family is in north india and in delhi so the best way to start off is do you remember diwali time and do you remember how polluted it is of course it's not just because of vehicle pollution it's also because of a lot of other things but uh, vehicle pollution contributes to it to about 30 to 40% of that whole pollution issue that comes up right and uh, pollution leads to us having asthma and other uh, sort of lung related issues uh, primarily but also other issues in the city so um, how can we actually uh, reduce that uh, one of the best ways is reducing pollution from the car by replacing how we operate a vehicle itself here petrol or diesel is creating uh, pollution can we replace it with cng so of course we've been operating cng but cng has been becoming an issue because it still does pollute uh, to a certain extent uh, the whole infrastructure around getting cng to that delhi or mumbai uh, cng station is an issue and all of us who have been uh, to a cng station know that you have to stand out of the car especially when it's filling it mm. and the huge lines there are at those cng bugs So what other options do we have? We all have heard that there's something called an electric car. What is an electric car? You basically take a battery, put it on the chassis, basically the basic structure of a car, 
put a motor on one side i'm sure all of us have seen golf carts at some point of our lives so it's basically a golf cart but a better version of a golf cart with no emissions uh, related to it and uh, you're basically dr- driving an electric car and uh, that means you're reducing 30 to 40% of city's pollution the other plus point to an electric vehicle is that it is much more cheaper at a per kilometer basis so for example your average in your uh, petrol or diesel car is about 5 uh, to 8 rupees uh, per kilometer but for an electric vehicle it's about a rupee a kilometer and that's a huge difference for all of us who may be doing long drives every day while there's no doubt that running costs are far less for electric vehicles there are in fact other costs that are associated with owning and operating a vehicle So we pressed Ayushi for some more numbers and made her do some more maths. Upfront costs when you end up uh, going to a showroom and buying these things are a little more expensive. So for example, I own a Nexon EV. So on road a normal petrol Nexon EV is about 10 lakh rupees from my understanding and if I end up buying it buying an EV version of it it's about 14 14 and a half without subsidy. uh but when i bought it with subsidy in delhi it costed me around 13 and a half 14 so about 1 and a half lakh rupees upfront i got from the government as well as all the rto costs as well as taxes related to it road tax and things like that were zero which are not zero in a petrol diesel vehicle so upfront cost is still as i'm saying 3 to 4 lakhs extra right but then once you start driving these vehicles um it's a huge difference uh, a normal uh, vehicle uh, my own petrol uh, car which i have the other vehicle i have is uh, gives me an average about 6 to 8 rupees per kilometer but my nexon doesn't go above 1 rupee per kilometer even i have to take it at the maximum sort of side so you have to realize that someone like me who's driving about 100 120 kilometers a day that's a huge cost so yeah. on a monthly uh, side that's 30 into 500 so that's what 15000 rupees right yeah. so 15000 into 12 is what 6 lakh and kitna hota hai 15 into 12 engineering kuch kar kar pass kar raha hai to 15 into 12 is uh, 150 plus 300 to around 1 lakh 70000 rupees is what it is so that's a huge cost so 3 years may you're recovering a lot of the cost and you're driving a superior vehicle uh, on a funnier note i've gone to hotels where uh, i've given it to valet uh, being very scared because the pickup is extremely fast and they are like ye to jaguar se bhi achhi gaadi hai madam ye to bilkul quiet hai have you ever on a trip had to go to somebody and beg them for use of their powerpoint begged not because my charging is getting over i probably probably overplanned any trip because we are just scared it shouldn't stop in the middle and our family can say humne bola tha petrol kharide but uh, yes there have been points where suppose the whole family is gathering at a restaurant and we knew we are celebrating the birthday and it's going to be 3 4 hours there so we were like charging laga lete thoda charge ho jayega kya ja raha hai and we saw a proper point uh, by the building so when we went to the manager he was so scared ki pata nahi chori karne wali uski electricity pata nahi kya so it took us 20 minutes to explain it to him that hey this is a 30 kilowatt battery like 30 kilowatts 30 units se zyada we will not take off yours like don't worry we are not and we will pay you 20 rupees per unit we'll give you 1000 rupees please let us charge so 20 minutes baad he is like Okay, okay, okay. I'll let you charge. <laughs> Then that's so. It's just interesting working with like uh, homestays or hotels. 
my family just went through this a month ago okay. where we had to buy a new car mm-hmm. and um, my mom really wanted an electric car and i was like no no cng is the best <laughs> and my dad said no petrol so we had three different uh, fuel options yes. and we eventually ended up going with the petrol car and just last night before anirudh and i left for fagwada he came into my room and he said ye to khali 11 km per liter de then he cal- he did some calculations and he figured it was like it was 9 rupees a, a kilometer and that's very expensive right like yeah. uh, it's insane so uh, trust me when we had to buy an ev um, it was supposed to be sort of my car but of course uh, my partner was like uh, let's buy a thar like that time thar had come in and i'm staying in punjab so like it's this thar <laughs> so we went and tested it i was like theek hai test us kar lo but as soon as we got the electric vehicle at this point very frankly uh, my partner weber was someone who wants to drive the electric vehicle and i literally have to beg him yaar please mere car mein kabhi kabhi to de diya karo because jokes apart it's a very comfortable car and you feel less guilty you have to realize with a normal petrol car you have to keep going to a petrol bunk with this you're not even going anywhere you just come home you plug it in into your geyser point which is next to your uh, sort of parking space and that's it i in delhi live in a corporate society so many flats together so this conversation had a very abrupt end for in my household because just the logistics of where do i charge hmm. and how do i charge you don't need 100% every day hmm. you just don't like maybe there are five times in a year or six times in a year where you may travel to a jaipur or a nainital suddenly and you will make sure that you're mapping out your charging stations when it comes to a cooperative society you just need a geyser point like even agar electricity jaati hai do teen ghante ke liye jaati hai there are only sometimes in future uh, in summer sorry where it goes for the whole night right like only sometimes mm-hmm. and for for those days suppose on that day itself your battery is like 5% and next day you want to go to office delhi has so many chargers in in a small radius that you can just go to a fast charger nearby charge it for even 20 minutes and you're good for that day and the next day also so uh, all of us of course think of the worst case scenario while uh, buying a car and yes i would say uh today if i have to travel from punjab to delhi i do have to overthink when i have to uh, take my electric vehicle versus uh, uh my normal petrol car i truly believe households that have two cars one car can be 100% electric yes if you just have one car then it's a little difficult right now because suppose there's a family emergency and you have to travel a lot then it becomes difficult is there a particular reason why all the charging stations for example you were mentioning tata also owns their own charging point is there a reason why all of them are privatized and not not government led infrastructure drive no a lot of it is backed by government so a lot of them have taken subsidy for themselves i can't say specifically for tata or others who has taken it or who's not but uh, most governments so about 18 states in india right now have active ev policies and uh, all of them have sections which talk about subsidizing charging infrastructure so a lot of these points in these states are subsidized by the government oh. on the back end it may be subsidized at a tax level uh, at other sort of land use level and things like that but they are subsidized in some way uh, electricity uh, tariffs themselves are t- subsidized so that's another thing but uh, i would say right now everyone's trying to figure out an investment in a fast charger specifically a fast charger is generally 
25 kilowatt plus or a 50 kilowatt charger uh, our uh, just to compare our normal geyser plug point in india power plug point is 3 kilowatt and a fast charger is about 25 plus Uh, kilowatt mm-hmm. and that's expensive so uh, i very frankly personally don't have an understanding why they are going after uh, their own personal infrastructure but i would say it has to do with even uh, owning the space right mm-hmm. each of them want to be uh, owning a certain percentage of the space and there's a lot of data to understand and where the sector is headed so each of them is sort of uh, putting in their own strategies uh, towards where to install it as well for example tata and magenta power both of them are uh, charging point operators they are mainly uh, partnering with uh, petrol bunks and installing there versus their organizations like static and leon charge and others they are uh, targeting adhabas haldirams uh, as well as homestays to put in their chargers so everyone sort of testing out the space and uh, government themselves is putting it in esl for example is a government entity is putting in With the advent of the slick, state-of-the-art, and sexy Teslas, we've forgotten a little bit about the fact that India too has an EV history, one that actually stretches back to the early 90s. Electric vehicles have been active for decades. We all uh, remember Reva by uh, Chetan Mani. So Reva is the best example I can give that uh, it worked. Bangalore accepted it there were so many vehicles uh, in Bangalore and it worked right but uh, probably it couldn't be scaled because India was not ready to accept it but now it's not just about uh, a lifestyle uh, it's more about pollution it's more about policies and how government will start mandating one to convert into sustainable forms of transport it may be public transport it may be shared transport it may be cng transport it may be electric it may be even hydrogen in the future but you will be mandated to convert because the reality is petrol and uh, diesel reserves are reducing we are increasing pollution and uh, we are the ones who are breathing it how much ever we say so we are the ones who are paying more for asthma and our inhalers so we need to work on it Since Ayushi has worked extensively in the EV sector abroad, we asked her how EV adoption in India compares to other countries. So I would say US is pretty much uh, behind India at this point. Yes, they've come up with so many policies, but they are only uh, be, they have only been effective in uh, uh, sort of progressive states like California and uh, Washington and New York. Uh, uptake in of Tesla. That's right. That's right. ियर three wheelers especially the cargo three wheeler were 22% of sales in july 21 now they are at 36% so when it comes to electric three wheeler cargos it's actually reaching the tipping point which we say right where it probably in a year or two there'll be more electric three wheelers than 
non-electric three-wheelers. But so what's clicking? Like, has society suddenly accepted it? or it has In the commercial cargo space, they've accepted it. They are like, for us, we have to deliver that auto. We know our radius. We know how many kilometers this vehicle will run. We know the total cost per kilometer is much lesser in this electric vehicle. So why not just convert it? I was pretty surprised to hear that there are more three-wheelers and two-wheelers electric because I was used to seeing ads and ads about these four-wheeler cars coming yeah, exactly. Yes, the number of OEMs. OEM. That's short for Original Equipment Manufacturer. And you're going to be hearing that abbreviation a lot. Yes, the number of OEMs in the two- and three-wheeler space is probably ten times more than the four-wheeler space. Uh, in the two-wheeler space, it's probably much more because uh, what's happening is people are just importing uh, containers from China, putting on their own branding and selling it as a vehicle. So does e-rickshaw qualify as technically as an electric vehicle? I would say uh, that's a very uh, uh, sort of funny space in the EV uh, world, uh, but most of them actually have uh, lead-acid batteries. Uh, Lead-acid batteries uh, were a solution in the past, but right now what's happening is uh, these e-rickshaw people just charge it till the point it does not, like it fully discharges and the life ends and then they just throw it somewhere where there's a lot of leakage into groundwater. So that's becoming a lot of issue around Delhi. Uh, Recently the government has mandated that they will only fund uh, lithium-ion based uh, e-rickshaws. If I were to say that as of now, Buying an electric vehicle is more about saving costs for me than really about giving back to the environment because at the end of the day what I'm doing is taking pollution from Delhi and releasing it wherever the coal-fired power plant exists. I think it goes back to the larger question of uh, is it easier to install better equipment till we have coal-fired plants at least for now and making sure they are less polluting versus millions of vehicles and ensuring that their tailpipe emissions aren't that good. Speaking of electricity, uh, one of the things which we came across in our research was even when electricity came up uh, as compared to gas lighting, interesting enough, that was also pitched as a very clean solution because there was no burning or hmm. fumes involved. But over time now we realize that the production itself of electricity has resulted in a lot of climate change. So when we are talking about all of this switching to electricity, how does that play out? Like, are you also taking into account how this is generated? Is that changing or? Yes, so I'll talk about it from uh, two aspects, one at a national level which sort of speaks to my personal self as well as moving uh, how we are thinking, right? Uh, at a national level, yes, our grid is right now uh, coal-powered, but if you look at the targets that's put in by the national governments, we are actually transitioning to a fully clean grid. Uh, all of us have to realize that these are humongous ecosystems that have been built over h- hundreds of years. Yes, in India, maybe over the, fif- over l- the last 50 years, right? You can't change these systems overnight. These are billions of dollars that are invested. And no one's saying that we are not moving away from it. India is probably one of the uh, countries that has been uh, upfront about how they're going to transition and making commitments that it can sort of reach. You can go online and see how much percentage of our grid is electric. I believe as, sorry, renewable. I, I believe as of now, it's about 23%. Uh, that's a huge percentage for a developing country. 
uh, but yes it can be more and that's what we are working towards when the, it comes the sources being uh, uh, solar or solar wind as well as uh, okay. hydro yes okay. and uh, when it comes to moving uh, recently uh, what has happened is that the uh, renewables ministry has changed their uh, policies to uh, when it comes to buying uh, out uh, renewable power from the market uh, reduced it from a minimum of 1 uh, megawatt to 100 kilowatt so what that means is as a small company i can go online buy 100 kilowatt and make sure that yes there are sites where i can install solar i will there are sites where i can't install solar so i'll just buy power from the grid so that i'm incentivizing someone in a state where they can put solar more economically buy that power and make sure that my uh, charging is being done uh, renewably oh okay so it doesn't have to be say punjab today switches to solar you can still buy yes so basically now our grid is a national grid it's no longer just state level so it's all sort of uh, if i have to put it in a very very simple form it's a mixed grid where if punjab mein ho gujarat mein ho telangana mein solar ho raha ho wind ho raha ho the percentage at a national level is all counted together okay. so i can buy out power from say a, a solar based company in gujarat say i bought out 100 uh, kilowatt of power and uh, then my charges are being charged through electricity that comes from the grid the grid is being pumped with more renewable energy where are the vehicles coming from are they being manufactured in india a similar thing for the batteries are the batteries being produced in india so when it comes to the battery most of it is being imported at least the cell is and then when it comes to cell structuring and making into a, a proper cell pack for that vehicle uh, uh, that is being done in india but the cell itself is being imported for sure as of now but the government has put in uh, schemes uh, worth 2.4 billion dollars most recently for battery manufacturing itself locally in india and they've also pumped in about 7.7 billion dollars towards uh, automotive space a lot of that will also go into uh, ev space in general because that's where the sector is moving so local manufacturing of cells is being pushed when it comes to assembly the structure of the vehicle a lot of it is being done uh, locally in india so for example alti green is a great oem that's doing it in india mm-hmm. of course piaju is making uh, their vehicles in india but the battery comes from outside i would say there are companies like log9 who are making their own battery packs here and uh, making sure that it's all made in india but uh, a lot of it be- is being supported by the government so over the next 5 years when you see a lot of companies locally coming in and manufacturing it locally itself from the base materials but as of now everything comes from outside ayushi just mentioned the base materials that are used to make batteries and that brings us to an extremely important aspect of the ev movement the other uh, angle is also the whole issue of mining right yes. whether it's a lithium battery or a cobalt battery i understand that yes it is up to um, let's say a tesla that's choosing to buy from a mine which is exploiting its workers that's one issue uh, but the larger issue that i want to ask you about is are we replacing one finite resource which is petroleum with another which is lithium and cobalt so uh Right now, cobalt, manganese, lithium, nickel, graphite are sort of the five main components that are minerals that are being used in batteries. Uh, exploitation is happening, and we need to hold corporations that have those policies in place 
accountable to make that sort of issue resolved when it co- comes to cobol especially that's where the issue around uh, child labor had come up mm-hmm. especially in africa and mm-hmm. uh, there are technologies now in place that over the next uh, sort of decade uh, cobalt in batteries will be reduced by about 75% so we will be seeing a reduction of it in general and of course policies around mining will change when it comes to all these minerals in general uh by 2040 we are not looking at uh, sort of uh, exploiting more than 8 to 14% of the reserves so even by 2040 2035 it's not going above 14% of these reserves that are being uh, exploited or being used if you have to use both those words and why i'm taking that specific year is because in general across a lot of studies 2035 2040 has been seen as a year where uh, recycling of these batteries will become more so second life of these batteries recycling of these batteries will become much more and even as of today there are technologies in place where 98% of a lithium based battery or any uh, lead acid battery anything can be recycled so that means these metals will come back to market and you won't have to mine again and again so mining will also reduce by a lot so uh, it's a cycle initially of course you will be mining more so that batteries are in place and anything we manufacture even sustainable products uh, bamboo based products uh, it requires some sort of energy to go in and sort of manufacture it and come out so any new manufacturing process can't be zeroed net zero from day one but the most critical aspect is is that company working towards it and have they set mandates in place for certain years to get to it is more important. As we said at the beginning of the episode, Ayushi works at a company called Moving. Before she tells us exactly what they do, it's important to mention that moving currently works with a kind of vehicle that we usually don't hear about in the whole EV conversation commercial vehicles commercial vehicles especially when it comes to four wheelers and above run the worst vehicles it's basically the most polluting segment in the transportation sector so how do you actually move them towards electric and other renewable sources in addition to the condition of the vehicles themselves There's also the fact that commercial vehicles are used far more than personal vehicles. They're on the road every single day covering hundreds of kilometers so that you can get that new dish soap dispensing device you ordered off Amazon. Right. Back to moving. Moving is building a driver focused technology platform where we enable a driver to work through supply demand and infrastructure issues to actually drive that electric vehicle what that means is on the supply side a driver needs to understand which vehicle he or she actually needs uh, do they need a two wheeler do they need a three wheeler uh, what three wheeler there are hundreds of oems as of today in each of these segments what uh, moving does is uh, we make sure that any vehicle that we onboard or suggest to a driver is fully tested out collecting every data point across driver behavior across battery behavior and vehicle behavior to know that that investment on that vehicle is actually worth it how to buy it is next right financing a driver can't pay 3 to 4 lakhs for a three wheeler suddenly 
So how do you reduce those costs and work with financing organizations to provide that access? We also serve the de- demand side where we work with large e-commerce companies, FMCG companies, as well as uh, D2C companies and 3PL companies like logistics companies themselves who have committed to transitioning to electric vehicles. What is happening is right now, uh, all the deliveries that are even made to us individually by a Zomato, Uber or anyone is actually driver owned. In India, most of this market is very unorganized where the driver owns the vehicle or a small aggregator in the case of four wheelers and plus because they are costlier vehicles. Uh, it's owned by a small fleet operator who will have between, I would say, three to five to eight vehicles max. Who decide owner. Yes, owner. Yes, exactly that. So uh, how do you make them transition, right? So we have those contracts in place with these large organizations and we help these drivers get that demand so that they know that they've committed to uh, an electric vehicle. They can pay back the EMI per month. And the last aspect of it is charging infrastructure. How does one charge it? In India, most of the infrastructure that's being built right now, especially on the fast charging side, is focused on personal vehicles, whereas most of the adoption is happening on commercial vehicles. So uh, what we do is we make sure because we have clients across all these sectors, we make sure we geospatially map each city we enter into and provide hubs so that uh, drivers who are driving for multiple of these clients can charge at that hub in an economical way. And also uh, every morning come in, go to their client's hub, pick up orders, deliver them and come back and charge again at these hubs. Uh, What we are realizing is uh, maintenance is also something uh, that is an issue. Of course, electric vehicles don't require as much maintenance, but uh, uh, most of the OEMs in this space are new OEMs. So they do not have a footprint like Tata, Toyota and others at a national level. So uh, why not work together and establish uh, sort of multi-modal hubs so that a driver can come in, get uh, trained on uh, that uh, uh, electric vehicle, get trained to charge a vehicle and also maintain that vehicle. So suppose uh, he or she knows that he have to go in for a maintenance or there's something wrong, can maintain it there versus trying to figure out where do I go out for maintenance. So uh, we are building that whole ecosystem so that uh, someone uh, can actually access it and start driving a vehicle uh, on day one. As a company, what incentives does the Indian government give you? So as moving, uh, when it comes to the vehicle itself, it is backed by incentives by the central government and in various states by central uh, and state government subsidies. Uh, Then at a charger level, there are states that subsidize power as well as subsidize setting up that charging hub. Anirudh and I wanted to know a little bit more about the actual operation of the vehicles. Like how long the batteries last for example. Unfortunately, it's just all too new for there to be enough reliable data. So uh, what we see uh, as uh, warranty cycles in general are three to four years of warranty cycles. And they basically say that over three to four years, the battery will not degrade below 80%. That's what even my commitment from Tata is, for example, on my car. Uh, and they say that or 10,000 full charging cycles because a large number of EVs haven't been run for that long as of now. Mm Uh, I would say over the last, over the next decade is when that clarity will come in that hey this uh, battery manufacturer actually has a better battery. What's the end goal of moving? Where where does moving want to get? The end goal is EV adoption. 
so ensuring that all these loopholes in the ecosystem are resolved and uh, starting with the commercial sp vehicle space that all commercial vehicles actually become electric and then going into other spaces as well like okay. since 2019 there have been formal policies uh, in place for ensuring that we subsidize manufacturing locally we subsidize chargers we subsidize vehicles everything but uh, this chicken and egg game has been going on ki wo nahi kar raha wo nahi kar raha so we like no one's doing anything so that's where vikash and ragang who are the founders of moving came in where they were like let's just solve this issue When it comes to you or me owning a personal electric vehicle or even a commercial fleet like Movings EVs seem to make sense albeit with some teething troubles but what will this look like at scale especially if the ambitious targets of the transport ministry are to be met as of today india has excess power on its grid uh, so it's not like we have we have shortage of electricity uh, it's just management of electricity so yes if you go to a discom level basically uh, energy providers government energy providers discoms uh, they need to uh, transition to uh, having a better thought process uh, it becomes very difficult to work with them in general so for example delhi has taken a step and they have really revolutionized how someone like me as an individual can apply for a charging station and get that whole uh, paperwork done very quickly hmm. and get that electricity connection with that subsidized rate at my apartment at my home very easily versus if you go to other states it's extremely difficult it's it's just it's probably i would say a traumatic experience one it starts there how do you get that electric electricity connection so that it's a simple geyser plug point a local electrician can actually put that in then the second point is making sure your battery is stable enough so we hmm. have a good battery so that it does not catch fire and things like that and that's where you go into understanding that is your product worth buying or not and ether is an amazing product for example and altigreen or piaggio and okinawa all these are great products right uh, tata uh, mg all these are great products because uh, and they cost more also why do they cost more right now at least is because they have put in that much tech on the back end so that all these uh, scenarios don't come up yeah. uh, in the end of the day uh, and uh, this is just taking us sort of off note that it's yeah. not like petrol or diesel cars don't catch fire i'm not <laughs> saying that ev should catch fire but uh, it shouldn't be like just because one ev out of millions of evs is catching in a fire it means you stop using evs as ayushi mentioned earlier the government is pushing ev adoption across the country and that too quite forcefully we wanted to know what hurdles are in store for the ev sector when it comes to supply uh as i said there are hundreds of oems but uh, the issue is that only a few of them are really good and the ones that are good only have limited range vehicles and they are in the 2 and 3 wheeler category versus if you see most of the pollution sits in the 4 wheeler vehicle category so yes over the next decade there will be more four wheelers that will come into the market so that will really change the game when it comes when you talk about reducing pollution uh in that uh, of course battery needs to be tested we need to make sure we have safer batteries 
government is working around standards around testing it our financing needs to be worked on right now as as a layman who does not understand financing uh it's very expensive to finance an electric vehicle and so it does not make in uh, sense in the end of the day and unless you are literally trying to experiment with an electric mm. vehicles second life uh, sort of uh, value of that uh, car needs mm. to be sorted out a car is equivalent to almost a house for most of the households that yes it's an investment if i have to suddenly sell it i will get some some money out of it but when it comes to an ev there isn't a direct cost still attached to it when it comes to selling it back into the market so that is very important when it comes to the indian context especially mm-hmm. then uh, when you go to the demand side i would say from a commercial standpoint uh, companies like moving and others are trying to solve the issue where uh, they are attaching a price to uh, operating an electric vehicle but it's still sort of being figured out by companies on how uh, they can do it lot more sustainably and also scale it right yes. um then on the demand side i think we'll talk about public transport and shared mobility i think there there's a huge space so good companies like blue smart and others are working in that space to increase uh, electric vehicles being used as shared mobility cabs and things like that so that can be a space for uptake uh when it comes to infrastructure there's a huge gap so infrastructure in terms of maintenance and charging right now most companies are very focused on how many number of chargers they've installed uh, yeah. i've installed 500 i've installed 1000 like this 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 competition but you like they go to the charger half of them are not working yeah there's yeah, so, a lot of them are just catching dust Yes, especially yes. in Delhi, where I would assume the demand is more than in other cities. Absolutely, city. absolutely. So, charger reliability has to be equally there. So that needs to be uh, worked on. And the next thing is maintenance. So, of course, your large uh, OEMs like Tata, MG, and others will have their service stations across India, and that's not an issue. But newer OEMs probably won't. So, how do we make sure that there is accessible maintenance? for especially tier 2 tier 3 cities yeah. where the uptake really needs to be there we are not trying to see that maybe in delhi or mumbai is where the bigger cities everyone takes up evs and all these polluting vehicles get shifted to your tier 2 tier 3 cities we want to make sure that adoption happens across yeah that's India. one of the things that happened like when delhi came up with this whole rule of 10 years plus your scrappage policy yeah. yes but suddenly all the tier 2 cities got a second life of all these 10 year plus vehicles yeah so that's so, yeah. that's not the solution so we talk about western ideals being you know just picked up and applied to india without there really being any thought for how it should be adjusted to fit the context is that the case with batteries as well because i know like a very simple example is if you're putting together a computer you have some components of the computer that have certain running temperatures in which they are efficient yes. and some components just don't work in india because our temperatures and our climatic conditions are just very different is that happening with uh, batteries in india i believe so so some oems who are more advanced and who have a proper tech team and have an understanding of battery are doing it the right way others are not others are just sticking chinese batteries and that's why you've seen uh, a lot of news around uh, untested batteries catching fire right mm-hmm. because uh, that's become an issue and that is scary as someone who does not know about evs is learning about that so there will be soon standards in place right now it's a little more open ended because innovation has to happen if you put too many standards in place then there won't be any local innovation it'll be just what it is 
Do you think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves when it comes to EVs? I mean, should we be focusing on first like, पहले तो road बना दो ढंग से and solve try and solve this issue of traffic and and people on the road. Should we should we be trying to attack those issues before marching ahead with electrification? It's a very valid question. Uh, of course, traffic is a huge issue. Uh, investment in public transport is a huge issue. and uh, those two may be way more important than uh, getting more electric vehicles on the road but uh, the reality is that you have to work on it parallelly mm-hmm. uh, if you wait for one to get closed and then start on another it may be just too late we have our climate pledges we have our targets and uh, people are not stopping to buy uh new cars sales are only increasing they may have reduced during covid but it's just coming back to its normal self and people are just buying vehicles after vehicles yeah but there is also that the large section of society that owns personal vehicles hmm. and over there i think a valid question to ask is not should i buy an ev or an ic car it's should i buy a car at all in the first place So in your, uh, I know you guys make hypothetical models of the future. Do you ever see this behavior pattern changing in India, especially of car ownership? It will, right? I think it also depends from city to city. So cities that are as congested as Bangalore, Mumbai, Delhi, and others, uh, shared mobility will pick up. But uh, right now, the three of us are literally sitting out of a tier two city, and uh, shared mobility is not going to work out of here. uh the distances between cities are that much that yes public transport needs to be there and personal transport will need to be there to some extent because suppose i need to suddenly go somewhere i can't book an ola uber here and ola uber is probably going to cost me much more for uh, traveling probably 40 kilometers to the next city so um it'll be a balance of both i would say uh, bigger cities will transition to shared mobility very easily and that's why those have been the cities where micro mobility shared mobility have come up easily and have been successful because uh, people do not want to take their own vehicle and be stuck in traffic they would rather sit in a cab do their work or talk to someone and be stuck in a it's stuck in traffic <laughs> if we look at the west it has been this trajectory that cities have been on where you design the city and the infrastructure for cars mm. and then at some point you realized oh no we should have spent more time on pedestrianization and public transport and so then they're trying to sort of go back in time and rewind do you think that in india we're going to have to go through that process or like we've started work on electric vehicles parallelly to issues of roads and traffic and so on and so forth that this is also something that we should start working on parallelly I would say public transport and investing in public transport is valuable because of the amount of people that need to travel on a per second basis in India. You cannot even if you build a two lane road for cycling today and if a huge percentage starts cycling today it will become congested. There's a balance. You just can't stick models from abroad in India and it will vary from city to city based on its area based on its population.
hurdles that the EV sector is facing, all of the unknowns and the lack of evidence on key questions, it's easy to feel hopeless or overwhelmed sometimes. In the face of this, we asked Ayushi what the best part about working in the sector is. Hmm. The best thing is that I know in the end of the day I'm making some sort of impact and this is just the start. So I, I'm, I'm very positive about it, especially given the Indian government is very supportive about this whole topic. Hmm. Uh, there are other topics in climate uh, that nothing is being done on. Yeah. So when it comes to EV, at least something is happening. Of course, with the good also comes some not so good. I would say a lot of them are not ready to uh, accept this, this change. Yes, there are a lot of um, negative aspects to it and there are a lot of positive aspects to it. But everyone, it may be electric uh, mobility, it may be any other sustainable sector, everyone wants everything to be perfect on day one. It does not work like that. Uh, it cannot be that today I start uh, with electric vehicles, so my coal-powered flyer, uh, coal-powered uh, plant is suddenly going to be renewable, then my grid is going to be perfect, then my infrastructure is going to be perfect, my OEMs are going to be perfect, and from day one I'm going to have trucks, I'm going to have two-wheelers, three-wheelers, everything is going to be there, and everything will go. It not in any ecosystem. As with any industry, EVs do have a negative impact on the environment. Granted, they may eventually be better for the planet than petrol and diesel vehicles, but it will take time for that to be a reality. It will also take time for people to fully come around to the idea of EVs. We wanted to know whether Ayushi feels the burden of being an EV person. Even if I don't feel that, people will make sure I feel that. <laughs> Not just me, the people who are in this sector in general, EV, non-EV, like in sustainability sector. Because as I said, if you're doing anything sustainable, Suppose you say that, hey, I'm trying to cut down on plastics in my house. Like, if they see one plastic in the house, they're like, you plastic, not plastic, you not plastic. Does that translate into all other aspects of your life? Like, has sustainability now become more than the job that you're doing? I try to do that, but I would say I'm not perfect at it. I try to recycle as many plastics, for example. I try to cut down electricity. I try to make sure my baby's diaper is bamboo waste. <laughs> but uh, over time I realized I have to use over 20,000 diapers in his initial lifetime. And bamboo diapers cost 5-10 times more than wow. yours. 5 times at least more than your normal diaper. So I'm like, I'm fine. I'm with I'm, I'm <laughs> it's fine. Uh, if there are no rashes by your pampers, I'm fine with pampers. I'm not going with bamboo. So um, I'm not perfect, but I try to do what I can when I can. We saved the real guest for the end of this episode though. And we couldn't possibly leave Fagwara without getting his opinion on the future of electric vehicles in India. Closer is a podcast supported by the Ethos Grants Program. Reach out to us on our website www.inchingcloser.org or on Instagram where our handle is inchingcloser.podcast. This episode was written and produced by Anand Mittal and Anirudh Sharan. The episode was mixed by Dhruv Dhingra and Anand Mittal with original music also written by Dhruv Dhingra and Anand Mittal. See you next time! 
Until then, let's keep inching closer.